have somewhat of a topical message here. Yet we are going to uh, we're going to study the scriptures, uh, the scripture, and uh, I want to talk to you about an important aspect of the Christian life this evening, and it is in First Corinthians fifteen. First Corinthians fifteen and verse number fifty eight. Verse number fifty eight, a familiar passage, and many of you, I've uh, you've heard me say that the guy that led me to the Lord was. He kind of, uh, he epitomized the subject matter of this. He was a, he was a faithful man. He was, he was steady, just uh, always there, faithful, as uh, the Marines would say, always faithful. Um, and uh, was, a, was a man of God, wasn't a pastor, wasn't a preacher necessarily, but I looked to him as a man of God. And when he'd signed my Bible, uh, on a couple of different occasions, he uh, he would sign this verse to it, and picking it up and and just letting it sink in. And I don't think he was necessarily signing it to reflect himself, like this is me, uh, but that's what I got from him as uh, that this 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 identified who he was as a man. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I need you. I pray that you'd help me. I pray that you'd fill me with thy spirit. Lord, I pray you'd accomplish that which you'd have for us this evening. And Lord, thank you for those gathered and assembled around your word. May we be stronger. May we be better spiritually as a result of having met. And Lord, uh, thank you for the encouragement these folks are to me. Uh, Lord, we love you. We need you in Jesus' name. Amen. This past week, I had a great uh, phone conversation with a good friend of mine, an old friend from back in Bible college when I was a freshman. He was a freshman, and I told you his story before. His name is Justin Gibson, and Justin was a uh, uh, grew up in a pastor's home in San Diego, California, and then his uh, dad sensed the call to go to Japan and work in military, uh, be a part of a military church, and um, I don't know all of the details, but he ended up uh, moving to uh, like central California, up near Yosemite National Park area and ministering to uh, a particular Indian tribe. I forget the name of, of the tribe that's up there, but it's like the Sierra Nevadas. And, and uh, Justin, the Gibson family, he has uh, two brothers, Andrew and Chris, and they're, they're just solid guys. They're, they're good guys. And, and uh, his dad did a great job, I think, rearing them uh, f- uh, for the Lord. He's a, he's a balanced guy. Um, well, I told you that Justin had, uh, we were a freshman together. I was older than him. I had, I had already been to a secular college and come to Bible college. Well, Justin was fresh out of, uh, he may have been homeschooled. I don't know. may have gone to a Christian school, maybe the Lighthouse Christian School there in, uh, in San Diego. But anyway, uh, Justin had committed to going to Bible college for uh, at least one year, uh, trying to, follow the advice of his dad 
And so Justin went and he did good, started off strong for the most part. I thought he finished strong. Uh, but then after that summer or after that year, he ended up uh, going back to San Diego and his, his family wasn't down there. He had friends that he ended up staying with that were on the, the Indian reservation down there, the uh, native uh, reservation down there. And while he was there, he always liked motocross. He liked riding motorcycles and stuff. And, and he was out uh, riding uh, with his buddies. And, and he gives the story that he was uh, uh, going through this riverbed. And he got a bunch of dust and dirt was kicked up in front of him. And so to get out of the dirt, he, he went around it and just full throttled it. And as he was trying to do that, he ended up hitting the embankment of, uh, the, uh, on the riverbed there flew over his handlebars and landed on his back somehow, landed on his neck or something, and, and uh, from that day on has been uh, paralyzed from about this far down uh, to, to his feet. And he, today he's in a wheelchair, and, uh, but he's also he's a youth pastor and assistant pastor at his dad's church in Auberry, California. Well, this past week I had, a, I had the opportunity to talk to him. He had called me up and had been some... It had been a while since I had been able to talk to him. He came out, him and his family took a trip out when we were on the Big Island, and we had a great time with him. Uh, we were able to show him around, and then he paid for us to go uh, uh, to do some snorkeling in the Captain Cook Bay. And in Captain Cook Bay, it is, it's where Captain Cook got where they killed him, uh, but it's a, it's a beautiful, crystal clear snorkeling area, and uh, I think we just had Rocky and Sammy at the time. And Justin was out there in his wheelchair. They rigged it up so that he could get in the water and he could do snorkeling and stuff. And he was hanging on to a boogie board with his feet dangling in the water and stuff. And I was with him. And, and he's, not, he's not afraid to try anything, being in the condition that he's in. It, do, it doesn't really, I know, I know he's limited, but he doesn't uh, allow it to, uh, to limit him and set him back um, uh, to the extent of not being able to do anything. And so we had a good time, but all that, to, all that to say, I had a talk with him this past week, a long talk, and we talked about a move that he was making, and, and he had uh, spent a lot of time in Auberry, California, at a certain house is where he grew up. Well, he moved into that house, his parents' house, some time ago, and it's up in the mountains, and uh, they decided that they wanted to sell that house since the market was at the peak uh, as it is. They're hoping it's at the peak. And they did sell, and they moved back down uh, kind of by Fresno, California, and where his grandma lives, and they're going to build on some land where his grandma lives. And so we talked about that, and uh, we talked about how he had filled in. His dad had uh, COVID pneumonia. His dad was literally bedridden for some time and I hadn't realized that and I hear more and more about this COVID pneumonia it seems uh, uh, the Lales had COVID pneumonia um, uh, Pastor uh, Han had something uh, of that nature as well but uh, but it, it took a toll on him well uh, Justin filled in on Sunday mornings it's, it's been the first time he did it for several months I guess we talked about his move and all that, and, and we talked about his family and, and uh, the 30-plus years of living at that house and that being the, the household home uh, of his family that he grew up in and stuff. And um, toward the end of our conversation, I said 
something to this, to this effect. I said, uh, Justin, what comes to your mind uh, at this time of your life? What are you thinking about? What do you, um, what do you, uh, what's, what's on your mind? And I feel like he's tuned in with God. He wants to serve the Lord and live his life for God. And, but he gave a quick answer, and he said uh, something to this effect. He said the word steadfast in the conversation. And immediately I thought of this verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, and I thought about Justin. And Justin has been a steadfast person in the, in the days and years that I have known him. Even, even before he got in that motorcycle accident where he would say during that time he was running from God. He was, he was trying to get away from God. Well, he's been a steadfast person uh, that I've known for some time. And uh, he's got six kids now, I think, six kids. Um, he's married, has been married for some time. He's got a beautiful family and married his high school sweetheart for the most, most part. He, he still hunts. He still goes four by four. And I remember going out there hunting one year when we were in Hawaii. Actually, my brother and I uh, got to fly to California. And he took us up in the Yosemite Mountains and... Um, he had this uh, 4x4 Chevy truck, and it's got a lift in the back of the, uh, in the bed that lifts his wheelchair, and he controls it, remote control, and he'll maneuver himself, actually, so driver's side, he'll maneuver it to where um, it'll, it'll hook on somehow to the wheelchair in the back of the truck and bring it down over here, an arm, to the side of the truck, and he doesn't need anybody to help him in and out of the truck. He's, he's, he's uh, figured out... Uh, that system of doing it himself. Well, he took us on, uh, as we were hunting, we were four buying up in the Yosemite Mountains, the Sierra Nevada somewhere. And this guy, man, I was, I was nervous for this guy driving us in, as, in the peak elevations that we were. And all that to say, nothing uh, gets this guy uh, down. Uh, he currently, he's a, um, he's a, he's a welder and he's got a fabricating company. He designs uh, fancy uh, entry gates to homes and estates, and he's made good money doing that. Uh, but then also he's an assistant pastor, youth pastor, and uh, the Lord continues to use him. He's the perfect uh, masculine role model, and he's a balanced man, I would say. And when I identify him, when I think of him, I think of a steadfast person. Well, David says of the character of these types of people in Psalm chapter 96, verse 6, he says this, Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. And my brother Justin, he possesses both strength and beauty. He's a, he's a good, steadfast man. And with the Lord's help this evening, I want to challenge all of us. And I know somewhat this is, this is preaching to the choir. Uh, because those that attend a Sunday night service, this is the steadfast crowd. These are the people that uh, deliberately make time on a Sunday, beautiful summer day, where there could be a million other things that uh, you could be doing. And uh, if you're in Hawaii, a lot of people would be doing uh, other things uh, too, might I say. Uh, but there still is a lot of things that you could do in Indiana even. And I understand the steadfastness of this crowd, but I want to challenge us nevertheless here this evening. The word steadfast, it means this. It means unwavering or loyal. Now, I'm a fan of loyalty, but 
I believe first and foremost we ought to be a fan, I mean we ought to be loyal uh, to the supreme being, God. Uh, I'm not, I, don't, I don't intend on being loyal to anybody else outside of, of God. If my loyalty um, is directed to something other, it tries to get directed to something other than, uh, than God, it's, it's misprioritizing uh, loyalty. Um, the definition continues here, resolute, firm, fast, fixed, not changing, not fickle, constant. Uh, steadfastness, it means fixed in intensity or direction. It means steady, staying the same for a long time and not changing quickly or unexpectedly. As the philosopher who found this truth, his name is uh, Friedrich, uh, he's German, um, as the philosopher, <laughs> he, he said this, the essential thing in heaven and earth is that there should be a long obedience in the same direction that thereby results and has always resulted in the long run, something which has made life worth living. And so the word steadfast, it, it comes to us from two words. The first one, of course, is stead, and it means your place of standing. And then fast, it's not, we're not talking about the speed of something, but we're talking about adhering firmly to something. And so standing firmly. And so uh, this evening, let us be in the place of God's will and hold fast in the place that God has placed us. Amen? Taking 1 Corinthians 15.58 for our text this evening, I want us to see uh, what components are found in this scriptural context uh, that will help all of us to live and even die in the steadfastness of God's will. And I think that's what's most important here. Number one, I want you to notice with me, uh, notice here in our passage, uh, the motivation of steadfastness. What motivates us to be steadfast? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, look at our passage here. He says, therefore, therefore, and what do you do when you see the word therefore? As we study the Bible, yes, we look to see what the word therefore is there for. And so when we observe that word, we should ask ourselves, uh, why? Um, and so we need to see what was said previously. And so let's look at this passage of the previous verses uh, just before, uh, let's look at uh, verses number 55 actually here. Uh, Paul is telling us some of the greatest truths of the resurrection ever found in the Bible. And our Lord has risen, and so shall we. That's a great truth. That's a powerful truth that we should never get over. Our corruptible must be put on incorruption, and our mortal man must put on immortality. And uh, then, uh, just before verses 58, we read here uh, in verse 55, he says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so, through Christ, we are living the resurrected uh, life, which is according to uh, verse number 57, 
is the life of victory. So what motivates us to steadfastness? The fact that we ought to live victorious Christian lives. The fact that we can know uh, that we have the victory. We're not bound by the, by the strongholds of Satan, as uh, Pastor Dave uh, preached last week. We have our identity that is found in Christ. All power is given unto Him, and He's given us a certain authority in our lives that we ought to have victory. We ought not to be bogged down all the other time, you know, every other week, bogged down and, and identifying in the, in the, in the piddly stuff that, that uh, we have uh, the very right of our identity to be over that garbage. We're not, we don't have to be susceptible to the, to, to the, to the vices and to the sins that, that, uh, uh, that the world is susceptible to because we're more than conquerors, the Bible says. God gives us a great authority. God gives us great identity as children of His. And He says, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Christians, uh, LifePoint Baptist Church, if you know Jesus... You've got the victory. We don't have to be living in the molly groves. We can live above the clouds. Uh, we don't have to live in the clouds. We don't have to be a woe is me uh, every, every other day. And man, my, my, my life uh, stinks or my life is, is tough in this fashion. I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not trying to uh, lessen anything that any, anybody may be going through. But man, uh, let's live on the bright side of life. Let's live on the, let's live on the, on the victorious uh, side of things because that's the fact of the matter. God's given us the victory. The Bible says in 1 John 5, uh, 4, it says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Man, that's a powerful verse. That's an exciting verse uh, to understand. We need to, we need to internalize that truth. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. The world should not have such effect on us as we let it sometimes. We've got the victory in Jesus Christ. As we're yielded to the Spirit of God, we can have victory in our lives. And so the motivation for steadfastness is knowing, knowing that I'm on the winning side. And uh, John Mason, uh, the man that led me to the Lord, I believe he understood that truth. Man, he, he faithfully uh, plugged away at uh, the life that God had given him. And he faithfully plugged away in, in life, knowing that God was with him and had given him the victory. I believe that's what my friend Justin is doing as well. He's got the victory. Yes, his, his body uh, may not uh, 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 be there, but that's just one aspect of his life. That, his, his body doesn't control his spirit. His body doesn't control uh, his soul necessarily. Paul says in 1 Timothy uh, 6, 12, he says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. And uh, this is exactly what the great apostle did. He tells us in his dying words in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he says this, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. And so how was Paul able to say that he fought, uh, uh, that he fought a good fight? I believe it's because he understood that he's on the winning side. 
I believe because he understood that, yes, he, he lived in a mortal body, uh, on uh, a fleshly body, uh, but he had victory through Jesus. And folks, we've got the same victory as well. <clears throat> the, the, the chorus of a, uh, one of our hymns, uh, Charles Naylor, it ends with these uh, words. It says, I've enlisted in the fight for the cause of truth and right. Praise the Lord, I'm on the winning side. As you start this week, consider that fact. You're on the winning side. Whatever tomorrow throws at you, I don't know. I don't know what, what everybody is going to be facing, and you may not even know. Uh, but take that truth to heart and understand you're on the winning side. If you're a child of God, if you're a child of the King, man, put that crown on your head and go through that day understanding that Jesus, uh, that, that God is your Father. He's given you the victory. We're on the winning side. Notice with me uh, next here. Uh, how should we have this steadfastness? Uh, we see, first of all, we see the motivation of steadfastness. Number two, we see the attitude of steadfastness. The next word in our text in uh, verses chapter, uh, uh, verse 58, the next word in our text after steadfast is the word unmovable. I think you understand what this word uh, means for the most part, but uh, it doesn't need a, a, a lengthy definition, I don't think, because it's, a, it's apparent in the word itself. But I'll give you a definition. It means incapable of moving or being moved. Unmovable. Makes sense, right? And so uh, I like one of the synonyms. It's unbudging. Unbudging. Who's ever played King of the Mountain before? or king of the spool, or king of the island, or king of the boat, or something like that. You understand, it's, 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 that, it's that unbudging. Who's, who's ever uh, played it, and you weren't able to, to knock the person off? Anybody? Ed? <laughs> Rocky? You're... But uh, let's think about this here. Uh, let us know uh, what we believe and why we believe it. Unbudging. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But sanctify the Lord your God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you of a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. And in this verse we see uh, that a man uh, with the answers is a ready man, is a steady man. Uh, I, I, and I don't want to throw us off here. Uh, I'm not saying that we always have to have every answer, but we, all, uh, we ought to know where we can get the answer uh, when uh, we need uh, to get an answer. And so nothing wrong with saying, I'm not sure. Let me go back and let me check this out. Let me, let me do a little research on that, and I'll, I'll get back to you regarding that subject, whatever it may be. But uh, a, a steady man, somebody that's steadfast, uh, is, uh, understands that they need to be ready to give an answer. And so... The one attribute that, that uh, I think my friend Justin uh, would have is, is that of meekness. And there's steadfastness in meekness. And the Bible says in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, it says, Now the man Moses was very meek. Notice it didn't say weak. It says meek. At first when I thought about this uh, idea of meekness, I, I think we have a, a wrong uh, stereotype uh, of it, we have a wrong definition. We perceive wrong about the word meekness. It doesn't mean weak. It doesn't mean sissy or anything like that. 
but uh, it, me- it means strength. I uh, understand it to mean power under control. But the Bible says of this about Moses in uh, Numbers 12.3. Now, when Moses was, very, uh, Moses was very meek, above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And I see Moses doing great things for God. I see, I see Moses, yes, he, was, he didn't think that he could, and he was, he was not out in the front saying, okay, God, I'm going to do this. No, God called him. God had to... Uh, God had to dispel all of the questions that he had for Moses to be obedient to do what God wanted him to do. Uh, but ultimately, uh, Moses was a meek man, according to the Bible. And so a meek man is a strong man. Uh, Matthew 5.5 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The meek man is a humble man who relies wholly and totally on God to see him through uh, his situation. In Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, the Bible says this, But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. The man or woman who knows their God will most definitely be steadfast. They're able to be used of God. A steadfast person is there. Uh, a steadfast person is somebody that God knows that he can count on uh, to do something, to accomplish a task for his honor and for his glory. And so we see the, st- uh, the motivation of steadfastness. Secondly, we see the attitude of steadfastness. It's a ready, it's a steady attitude. It's a meek attitude. It's a, uh, it's a position, an attitude of strength, uh, knowing that my strength isn't in myself, but it's in my God, uh, the one who can empower, the one who has all power. And so number next, I want you to notice regarding steadfastness. Number three, we see the characteristic or characteristics of steadfastness. And so we find this point, it surfaces from the phrase of our text here. And uh, the Bible says, uh, let's look at it here, verse number 58. It says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. A steadfast uh, person, a steadfast person of God is going to be abounding in God's work is going to be abounding in what the Lord would have them do. Um, The steadfast person never quits. Thomas Edison said this, many of life's failures are people who did not know how close they were to success when they gave up. You do what you can do for as long as you can, and when you finally can't, you do the next best thing. You back up but we don't give up. That's uh, Chuck Yeager uh, made that statement there. And so uh, we move forward uh, the best that we can. We don't quit. We don't give up. And uh, success comes from steadfastness. Uh, David sinned, and we read uh, his prayer of renewal in Psalm 51, verse 10. And this is a prayer uh, that those who desire to be steadfast for the cause of Christ should commit and understand as well. We talked about chastisement this morning. One of the responsibilities of a parent is that of discipline. And the Bible says, Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And, uh, and uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a time of renewal that takes place with chastening and that steadfastness there. Psalm 51, verse 10, we're familiar with it. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. In verse number 11, he prays for revival. He says, cast me not away from thy presence, 
and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And then he prays for restoration in verse number 12. He says, he says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. And so Elijah, I think of Elijah as far as steadfastness. David was steadfast. Uh, Elijah was steadfast. Elijah became seriously discouraged. You think about uh, the time when he thought he was the only uh, man of God. He thought he was the only person, child of God, that was out there serving God or doing anything for the Lord. And God had to remind him uh, that there were, in fact, 7,000 who still loved God and were still uh, not bowing their knee, uh, knee to, uh, to, uh, to Baal. And uh, he was encouraged. And so after God lifted uh, his fallen spirit, the Bible says in uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19, it says this, it says, So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat. And uh, so we see that God brought Elisha into Elijah's life to help him at the right time. And, and that's so important. The help of godly friends is important in steadfastness. <laughs> How many of you have been encouraged by somebody before? Maybe even recently. And I, 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 I feel like the ladies... Uh, not, not that it's limited to ladies, but I feel like the ladies are, are uh, man, really thrive in this or really, really, uh, really want to have the encouraging time together so they can encourage one another. And it's so needed. And, and uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to uh, belittle it, uh, but men need it as well. We need the encouragement of one another. We need to be encouraged. Uh, we need to sharpen uh, one another. We need to hold each other accountable. As, uh, as brothers. And uh, so, uh, Elijah, uh, his, uh, Elijah's spirit was lifted when, when he met uh, Elisha, and uh, the help of godly friends can't be downplayed in life. Friends can always be a boost to anybody that's tempted to give up in a battle. Winston Churchill said this, he says, success is never final, and failure is never fatal. As Christians, we can say this positively that those who live and die in the will of God have found true and final achievement in success in their steadfastness. Knowing that as, man, uh, the battle is real. The, uh, the, the enemy's real. Uh, there are attacks that, that, that come to us on a daily basis. But let's be steadfast and let's be uh, faithful uh, to the Lord. And so, uh, friends are important. We see the uh, characteristics of steadfastness. Uh, friends are involved. Encouragement is involved. And uh, obviously, the Lord is involved. Lastly, I want you to notice with me regarding steadfastness, regarding steadfastness, in our passage here in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight, we see the reward of steadfastness. What is the reward? Well, the reward that is of the utmost value is the reward, is the eternal awards, rewards. It says this, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. If we have lived for Jesus, even death itself brings us into the reward of heaven. In John chapter 6, verse 27. Jesus says this, he says, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, uh, but for that meat which uh, endureth unto everlasting life, 
uh, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. I think of a time that uh, we were missionaries. We were in Hawaii. We were on the big island the first time, and and we had we had a we had a family and a single lady that kind of formulated together with some 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 doctrine that I, I don't I don't agree with, and it uh, it would kind of spread, and I was a little bit discouraged. And my wife had been ministering to this uh, single gal. And she was, I think she was fresh out of high school for the most part, trying to, trying to figure out life. And uh, she had gotten saved. Um, she had a lot, of, a lot of baggage. Her mom had moved out of the area, I think moved to Alaska. And this girl was living at her, uh, I think her mom's house. And my wife had been discipling her. She got saved. My wife had been discipling her. And and uh, brought her over to the house. I think something happened with her, her laundry, washer and dryer, whatever. Brought her over to the house to, to do the laundry, and she dumped out her bag of laundry on our floor. And my wife was already paranoid because there are a lot of bugs in Hawaii. Some of you may know this story already, but um, we, man, we got their centipedes. I guess that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but centipedes I'm not kidding you there it's, it's nothing for centipedes to be this big and we had neighbor that uh, ended up finding a centipede in the diaper of her her baby um, um, or in her hair was it in her hair uh. <clears throat> so there's centipedes there are roaches and uh, before we moved into our house uh, that the, the Lord uh, uh, brought us about a miraculous way. It was awesome. Um, we needed to have that thing fumigated. Um, and so we did that. They, they wrap like a tent, a tarp around the house, and then it's some type of a bomb, uh, a bug bomb or something, and then it kills the bugs. Well, we got off the plane and we drove our rental car uh, to our house, and there were dead bugs all over, all over the floor inside that place. And so we didn't have any furniture or anything, and we ended up sweeping them up and and throwing them away, obviously, and then uh, sleeping on our sleeping bags on the floor that uh, that evening. But, but anyway, long story short, my wife reached out to this uh, young lady and was ministering to her, and she brought her laundry over and threw all of her laundry, just emptied the bag like a big pillowcase or big sack of laundry. And my wife said, "All of there, now there are big roaches that uh, I forget the name of those." but then there are little roaches. And these are some German type of a roach. I don't know how they're German, but uh, they're, they're particularly difficult because they're even smaller. We had a Tongan guy come over with a, a notepad and a binder with uh, the Tongan people, uh, Pacific Islander group. They do a lot of uh, rock walls, uh, masonry type stuff. And so he brought over a picture of some rock walls that he built, one to some business. And he opened this binder up, and all of these bunch of uh, uh, German cockroaches were scattering all over this binder. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I want you to do any work over here. Get your binder out of it. No, he ended up doing work. But uh, the lady, the, the girl dumped out the bag of laundry, and all these roaches scattered all over our house. And my wife was all, she was totally sad and depressed. And, and well, actually, she was a little bit sad and depressed. 
And then uh, a little while later, maybe a couple weeks or a month later or so, my, uh, my wife, something happened. The lady, uh, the girl stopped, stopped coming, stopped uh, contacting, and we ended up learning that she had gotten, got a boyfriend and was, was out doing a, a bunch of junk and, and stuff. And so my wife was, was crushed. All that investment, all of that time, it seems like, you know, uh, Lord, why'd you allow this to happen? We're trying to, we're trying to help her for you. And about that time, my wife got a call from uh, my father-in-law. And my father-in-law said, uh, you know, we, what we do, we do for the Lord. And uh, it was a sweet reminder for my wife and for me as well of, of, of knowing that, you know, we can get discouraged in life and, and we, can, we can get upset because things may not be going according to our systems and according to our plans and such. Uh, but God says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And my wife called me up. She said, I just had a great time great talking to my dad, and he was such an encouragement. He was just what I needed to hear uh, from, that, from, uh, from her dad and that, that particular scripture there. Uh, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. As hard as that is, and, and uh, that, that girl had come back to, to church, and, and uh, there's, you know, people, don't, people don't always grow as, as we would hope to. People don't always fit our time frame of, of growth. You know what I mean? Am I making sense? Uh, we, we would like to see people grow. I would like myself to grow better and differently, and I don't always fit what, what I would like. And we need to keep in mind our labors are for the Lord. He knows exactly what He's doing, and the Bible says our works will follow us for the cause of Christ. I thank God our works for God will follow us beyond this life. We may not be able to see the tangible aspects and rewards of it right now, and we may go through something even more discouraging in the near future, but we can rest assured that our labor is not in vain. And our motivation for our labor, the, the, the reward of our steadfastness, God will take care of that. The Bible says in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, I'm going to close with this, it says, uh, now more than ever, now more than ever, we need to heed the final words of the wise Solomon. He says this, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. I want to close with this quote here. Just before Jim Elliott, the missionary to Ecuador, was martyred, he was martyred for his faith. He went to the uh, Ecuador, the uh, uh, Aka Indian tribe, and, and tried to reach them and, and was killed by the people that he's, he's trying to reach. He said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And how true that is. And uh, uh, what a quote there from a man who 
who gave his all for the cause of Christ. And so, let all who know Christ, uh, let us remain steadfast under the coming of our Lord. And let's keep in mind 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. It says, Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I want to thank you for your word, God. I want to thank you for the, the, the challenging truths of your word. God, may we be found faithful. May we be steadfast in our faithfulness to you. God, I pray that you'd minister to our hearts. I thank you for this faithful, steadfast group that is, that is uh, assembled here this evening. And may we be encouraged, may we be challenged to keep on keeping on uh, for you. Lord, I pray you'd bless Andrew once again. I pray that you'd help him. I pray that you'd help him to recover fully. God, I pray that, uh, I pray that you'd give uh, Peaches wisdom. And I want to thank you for them. With heads bowed and eyes closed, let's